Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off starts. Oh, what a What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall with my guys Mike and Robbie to talk some kicks. What's going on, fellas? Not too much, man. Just looking at all the craziness happening every day. So just we're just making it out here, man. Yeah, I'm I'm doing good. We're going to be talking about some weird shoes, and I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling some kind of way about some of these designs. So uh, it's going to be a good episode today. Yeah, I think so too. I I, uh, I think I think I made it pretty clear that I'm a, I'm a fan of weird sneaker designs. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too. But uh, before we before we get into that, let's let's talk about what we're rocking and copping this week. Uh, what do you guys got going on? Uh, I am been rocking my Jordan Delta SPs. If you haven't bought a pair of those, I mean, I know not a lot of people aren't into Jordan, you know, lifestyle shoes that aren't, uh, retros, but did I tell you those things can literally go with anything. You can wear them all day and pretty, they're clean looking shoe. I, I definitely recommend them. And, uh, copping, I don't know. I was just telling you guys a few minutes ago, there's not much out there. I do like those uh, LeBron 17 lows, that the glow colorway, but I feel like they're going to go on sale, so I'm not copping them anytime soon. Uh, I mean, sometimes this waiting is the best choice to make. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been wearing these fresh Reebok Kamikaze 2s around the apartment, so thank you, Reebok, for those. So that's what I've been rocking. Uh, I went a size up, so... They feel a little bit better. I noticed the Reeboks fit a little tight on my feet. So uh, sizing up really did help. And I never thought I would enjoy wearing a pair of kamikazes. But here we are, 2020, pandemics, people dying, probably wearing Reeboks. <laughs> the world's over now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's this theory that it all went to hell once Kobe died. And, and I'm thinking that's really true. So here we are, you know. Here we are. Here we are. So, and then when it comes to uh, copying, I'm thinking of the Looney Tunes Kith Converse, and I'm thinking that on two levels. the The first level is I've never owned a pair of Converse like Chucks, and any cut, any color, I've never had a pair in my life. Wow, that's wow. a weird fact. But yeah, never. I mean, I always had. Like if my parents gave me the choice between either Vans, Etnies, or like, you know, Chucks, I always went for the Vans, like Vans all day. 
Um, so I never, never had Chucks. And the second reason is because when probably like 2002, 2003, um, I used to wear this pink, um, this pink polo shirt that had um, the Taz, the Tasmanian devil on it. Nice. And I, I thought I was so damn fly because it was like, you know, Kanye pink polo era. And I was like, oh, and it was vintage too. It was my stepdad's. So it was like from the 80s. And I thought that shit was so cool. And then I was like, okay, I can kind of see myself wearing a pair of Chucks with Looney Tunes if I felt so good about that polo shirt. But uh, definitely a time, 2003, pink polo. I know a lot yeah. of people feel yep. that kind of way when they hear pink polo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for vintage, sure. Yeah, vintage. Stole it. <clears throat> so I actually uh... – I, I was feeling a little under the weather for a few days and I was like, I'm going to wear something different today just so I feel better. I don't know why. Like, I know everybody that's listening to this can relate. So it's like, I can say it, but like, if I were to say this to like family or friends that don't understand sneakers, just lacing up like a pair of shoes you haven't worn for a while makes you feel so much better in so many ways that like, I can't even explain it. And it doesn't even have to be like a crazy dope shoe, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, today I wore, the Jordan 34s and you know, it's like, I like the shoe. It's not like, it's not like a, a neck breaker, you know, like people aren't going to be like, like, you know, wowing me in the streets for the shoe, but it's just one of those things. It was like, I just want to wear something that like makes me feel a little bit better. Something I haven't worn for a while. Um, and yeah, it's just crazy. I just, I love that about sneakers. And, and like, I feel like, if I'm ever going to just be like done with this whole thing of sneakers, I, I don't see that ever happening. Cause I, even when I'm like, I'm tired of this and tired of, you know, taking L's on the sneakers app and, you know, missing out on whatever releases, I always come back to it in the same way where it's like, nah, just like wearing shoes and, and like, you know, like whether, whether I get to share that with people or not, like I still just enjoy like wearing the shoes like that and they make you feel really good. And then, inevitably you end up talking to people about them like I am right now. So it's just a, it's just a cool thing. And so that's what I wore today. Um, the shoe that like I've been eyeing for a few days, um, is actually that Soulbox uh, torsion TRDC Adidas. It's kind of like a, it's like a super chunky, uh, like kind of like a white and orangish yellow stripes. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah. Yet, it's I, I like that like the the torsion TRDC shoe. Um, I think I want to say like Norse Projects did one. They've mm -hmm. had some GRs, but it's like it reminds me of it reminds me of like I don't know, just like those chunky runners, man. Like I I just I love that era. It's kind of like this. This is a shoe that yeah, it's designed kind of as a runner, but it's also like kind of like bulky enough and, and a little bit aggressive enough to be a trail type shoe. But then it's also basically like kind of like a bulky ass skate shoe. So that's my, uh, that's my cop. If I can, if I can get them, um, I think they actually, well, by the time this comes out, it will have dropped, but they dropped this week. So. Nice. Well, I mean, we talk about drops. I just have to, um, Robbie, what was it? It was the it was the uh, St. John's dunk where we I think we've officially retired from the sneakers app. Yeah. And then to add on to it, I tried to get the Space Hippies, and 
I just wanted one pair of them. Wasn't trying to get crazy. Went for one pair of the, uh, was it the O1s? Got to check out, got, you know, a dreaded error message. Just, just because just, there was no rhyme or reason for it. Credit card was good. You know, internet connection was good. It was like, mm, you're not a bot, so we're not going to let you have it today. So I'm out. Nike, make them, be better. <laughs> Do better tomorrow. I agreed with you, Dis. I was on mute. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I didn't even try for the Space Hippie because, I mean, they're cool. I'm just not going to wear that shoe. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this the fact that I'm now like 0 for 7 on dunks. And, I mean, I don't use multiple – Nike IDs of my own. I enlist other people. I have like four or five people trying each time. So that means I'm like, oh, for 40 or some shit. It's just like, let me hold one. And, and, and the most annoying thing is, I almost bought a pair of used Brazils yesterday for 275. And, and, and I slapped myself. I stopped, got my right hand out, <laughs> made power, and I slapped myself. And I was like, you're a damn punk. You think you're going to. Pay two seventy five for some used dunks. Like, come on now, that's like a hundred dollars shoe. And you, man, I got all angry at myself for even entertaining that idea. But it, it's frustrating. It, a dunk. There, there's been. I mean, what's even more annoying is we all know times in Nike's life where there's been just a shit ton of dunks in the on the market. They could yeah. be GRs. They could be stuff you're finding in Nordstrom's rack. They could be stuff you find at Foot Locker. Just not hype dunks stuff in journeys stuff that yeah. was journeys and it was what early 2000s come on not even i mean this even go back to like i mean i have dunks that i have for like lawn work duty back at my parents house in vegas from like 2012 that have like no meaning just there were some fresh dunks i got for like 100 bucks 80 bucks whatever and life was happier at that time now i gotta like literally sacrifice a testicle to get a pair of dunks <laughs> It, it's just it's 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 not worth you know going Lance Armstrong about it. I'm, I'm over it. Well, it's so bad I mean, now I, because so I told I think I, I don't know if I told you Nick, but I know I did tell Robbie that I had a buddy of mine who was trying for him as well, and same thing happened. We got in line each in our respective apps, and as soon as we got in line, it's like sold out. And his never told him sold out, but it never said anything else. It was just. They never gave him the message. Just said the little sold out in the gray box. The next day, like he's gone about his whole day. The next morning, he gets an email. The got him email. The whole twenty four hours later. What? It, exactly. Like he texts me. He's like, hey, so I guess I got them. I just got a pop up on my phone said I got him. So we'll see if he actually gets them in the mail. But at this point, he has not gotten the cancellation. Uh, and he did it manually, but it was just the weirdest thing. Like that's how screwed up the app is at this point. <laughs> And he's going to sell them too, right? Or did he want them? No, no, that's, that's his. He wanted them. Uh, I was like, hey, man, I'm living through you. Yeah, know, it's I through you. Just wherever you wear them, just take a picture, and I don't think I'm wearing them. It is crazy, though, because, I, I mean, I tried, I've tried for pretty much every dunk, whether for Robbie or for myself. I tried for the Space Hippies. Like, I actually like those shoes quite a bit. Super dope. But every time, I mean, I did have – like the, the thing that's been happening to me lately on sneakers has been I will like go through, I'll see my size, add, you know, like make the purchase and then it'll like not do anything really. And then when I go back to it, it'll it'll act as if I didn't do anything. And then 
like 45 minutes later, I'll get a notification saying that my size was sold out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like, yeah, it's just kind of nonstop ridiculousness with it. But I don't know, man, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I guess like my, my thing is like, you know, it's, it's dope that Robbie's wearing Reeboks, right? Like now he has matters. more options out there. And I think that's the thing. Like as much as like we all like Nikes and, you know, primarily like, you know, like thinking of dunks, right? Like there's so many people that are buying dunks right now that don't realize that they were available at journeys that don't realize that these shoes were literally everywhere for decades. And I think that's, there's kind of something cool about, you know, having, having the experience and being into it and knowing where it's like, I try not to get too upset about missing out on things. And I just kind of look towards like other brands and, you know, there's plenty of, I would say like there's plenty of good stuff on the market right now, even though the sneakers app tends to be a little frustrating, but I don't know. It's, it's, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, good thing I'm not hurt for dunks. I just, I just like everyone else. Well, I'm not gonna say that. Just like I know us three, we liked them for a long time, and now they're coming back in, you know, older colors. It's cool to try to get them, but man, it's just when, when you get a hundred dollar shoe, you instantly making three to four hundred bucks. It's impossible. People, like the resellers, are just on your game. I mean, I guess I can't be mad at them. I mean, you gotta make their money, but dang, just let me have one. So. Here's yeah. a very um, a very old proverb. I don't know if it's a real proverb or not, but um, it, it comes down to whether or not Robbie can continue a thought and hold it. Cause I already forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah. Basically, what it comes down to is in chess, the pawns go first. So it's like all these people out here buying five hundred dollar dunks on resale. That's all. That's all fine and dandy mm-hmm. when when like old school retro running becomes the new wave and dunks go back to 300, 200, 150, whatever it might be, I'll be waiting in the darkness and the shadows with my pocketbook open. And it's like, all right, (laughs) (laughs) four years out, I'll have all these dunks. I'll be right there with you. Like take, yes, I'll, Take these for eighty five dollars because you can't sell them for a hundred now. Perfect. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. So before we get into the episode, uh, I want to read a review on iTunes. We've got a LT LT on the track said, "Huge fan." The podcast dives into great topics revolving around, revolving around sneaker, the sneaker and basketball industry. Hosts have super interesting personalities that work well together and makes listening fun. I highly recommend tuning in. So shout out to LT on the track for leaving us a review. If you got a minute. Head over to iTunes, leave us a review. Definitely helps us grow the audience on the podcast, grow the community here. And that's really what we're trying to do. Um, if you haven't heard, we have a phone number you can call in or you can text uh, 1-877-AIRMAX1. Leave us a message, whatever. Just let us know what you want to talk about and we'd be happy to talk kicks with you. Uh, I did have some issues with it a couple of weeks ago. So if you sent anything in the last couple of weeks, I might have missed it. So hit me back again. And and we'll uh, get your get your comments included on the podcast upcoming podcast. So that said, uh, before we get into the main topic, I wanted to just quickly touch on a couple of news things that I thought were interesting. So I guess uh, which one which one should we start with? I mean, people going crazy 
for the Dior shoes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so rumor has it, according to uh, was it Women, Women's Wear Daily, which is basically like you know the the fashion bible. Um, over five million people entered the Dior Jordan One raffles, which is mind blowing to me. I mean. Full disclosure, I entered too, but I didn't win. So same. <laughs> I mean, anybody with half a brain was going to enter because if you think about it, the conversation, is you have well, same thing I did to my whole family. I sent the mass text message out to my family. Like, look, I need you to go ahead and uh, go to this website. I don't care which one you do. And I told the whole backstory. Hey, these are two grand. I'm going to buy them, but I'm going to make ten grand off of them. And if, if my mind works the same as everyone else's, because if you bought these to wear them, you're a liar. There ain't no way in the world you bought these to wear them unless you're just filthy rich already. But if that same train of thought went to every sneakerhead on earth, yeah, I can see five million easy because you got mom, dad, uncle, your dog, everybody trying to enter the raffle so you can make a $10,000 come up. I mean, that's a smart business at that point. You're leaving money on the table if you don't. Yeah, like you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you didn't try. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's one of those things, too, where this is part of, I think, what frustrates people about sneakers right now, right? Because I would assume that everybody has that same mentality now that there's, you know, 50 different resale sites and, and you know, consignment slash resale shops in every city. So... The, the assumption is the reason like we don't get space hippies or dunks is because everybody has that same approach, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, well, worst case scenario is I can always get my money back. And then the other part of it is, you know, like for better or worse, Nike's return policy is pretty, pretty lax. So if you get a shoe that you don't like, you don't have to necessarily keep it. And if people understand all those things, we're kind of just in this tough spot of, there's always going to be enough demand and there's always going to be people that will want to buy the shoes. And then on, on top of that, we have all the people that, you know, like will buy a whole size run of shoes and sit on them for a couple of years and wait for them to rise in price and resell them. And, you know, like you can't knock that either. So I don't know, man, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I, I wonder what percentage of that, was you know bots and and duplicate entries and you know like you said calling everybody you know to to have them enter i'm sure plenty of people did that so i wonder what the actual number of people that really you know truly entered you know for themselves whether they were going to resell it or not i don't really care yeah. um but uh it, it was kind of crazy though i don't know if you guys saw the um, the clip, but I forget the dude's name, but one of the skaters that always skates in the crazy stuff, I'm skating in them. What are you talking about? Like, that's wild, man. I, w I wish I was in a position to not care about the value of, you know, 10 or $15,000 shoes. But you know, what's crazy. I mean, and this was more, I feel like of a Dior release than a Nike release or a Jordan brand release, because I mean, I know, I know you guys know, I just not know what the general public does of, it was 8,500 pairs, but it seemed like the first maybe, what, 30 to 50% went to, like, the high-level Dior customers in the sense of they had the first chance to buy for retail. 
So if you were spent X amount of dollars with Dior over whatever that time period looked like, they reached out to you first, like, hey, we got these, you want to buy them? And these are typically are going to be an uber rich person already. So which is going to knock down your your starting amount for the you know general population to what we're going to say maybe uh, what three thousand to four thousand pairs, which or makes it even harder than so you would basically it's like winning a lottery at that point of what um, um, you have one in a million shots to, to actually get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually kind of cool. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I I, I think that you know if if a if a customer is is like constantly buying from you know like here in mm-hmm. you know Beverly Hills Dior, like that person should have a little bit of a head start at, at the chance to get stuff. In my opinion, I mean I don't I don't know I, I could go either way on that. I understand that like you know money is money and people just want to have access to stuff, but at the same time like if you were the shop manager or owned the brand. You know, if, if a person's spending thousands of dollars with you on a regular basis, then you want them to be able to have the opportunity to buy that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, well, I laugh because of all, I mean, and this is, and when I say this, this is not a shot at any single person because this is just being just realistic. The people who they call first, $2,000 is a, probably a bare minimum of what they spend at the Dior store. When uh, you're looking at people who are trying to get it now, we're going to probably be taking a long shot, like risking, you know, rent money, mortgage money, because it's time to still hard. Like, don't let this fool you into thinking that, oh, everything's all good and dandy out here. Time is still hard. People still aren't working and people were really willing to risk it all with not only the shoe, but a plane ticket there and back. And then you have to wait to sell it. So. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the people who, you know, like, like, like you said, Nick, Hey, the shop owner, you know, gives them first chance. That's cool. I mean, you spend that much kind of money. You should get first dibs at that because it's probably the cheapest thing you're going to buy from them. But at the same time, I don't, people shouldn't be so upset about missing. I laugh because if I would have got them, I had, I would have really had to go give them $2,000. I'm like, how the hell am I about to do that right now? You may have worked. I mean, you yeah, know, make exactly. it work because I know what's gonna happen at the end. But just in just general, like I said, general population right now, what probably in the long run, you, you may have, even though you could have made X amount of dollars, but maybe you would have hurt yourself in the in the short run. Like maybe you couldn't, you know, get this bill. You might have gotten close to getting evicted or something crazy. So it just is what it is. I mean, and just spending two thousand dollars on a on a single pair of shoes is still bananas, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, like, I mean, even though like I know plenty of people that that collect, you know, high end type stuff and and rare PEs and you know like game worn stuff and all that, it's still crazy to me to think about spending two thousand dollars on a pair of Jordans. Facts. Yeah, I, I I couldn't really fathom it, but. More or less, only only way I could justify it was the business side of it. But just going, oh, but a but a two thousand dollar pair of shoes, I think I probably would have a small heart attack if I would have to fork that money over. And I think none of us are unique in that sense. Five million people, five million entries don't have two thousand dollars each. No, exactly. Probably laying there. Um, but I mean, it's just, I mean, it's cool because. At the end of the day, I think there's two important factors. I think the first one's perceived value. This is like the uh, a class A study in perceived value. 
because ultimately that shoe is not worth $2,000. Ultimately, it's not worth $15,000 on resale, but we all say it is. So in reality, it is. Yeah. And then the, the second point being that it is kind of cool that we're even having this conversation with Dior and a legitimate, you know, sportswear sneaker brand, because I would believe that the two of you would also make fun of a Balenciaga triple S if you saw it in person. Like there's just like a stigma behind personally, I put a stigma behind high fashion brands making sneakers. I don't ever look at them like sneakers. I always look at them at high fashion shoes that just are not my style. Yeah. Might give me a boot. But mm-hmm. here we have a legitimate, you know, bridging between the two. And it's not the first time, you know, there's those Prada Adidas and, you know, there's other ones I can't think of off the top of my head. Even like Supreme and Louis Vuitton is another example. Like, once they start working with established brands outside of the luxury, um, you know, outside of the luxury, um, you know, category, I think it, it, it gives credence to their, to their efforts. And in this case, credence to their efforts in footwear. Yeah. This would be a follow-up. Like we'll, we would be dumb to think there wouldn't be a follow-up in a year or two. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we're in, we're in a, a, a time where, the brands are so hungry to, you know, find ways to create new energy because most brands, and, and this isn't a shot at Dior or Jordan or anything, but like most, most companies get comfortable. They have people that work there that get comfortable. They struggle to get out of the kind of, um, I don't know what I would call it, but like kind of like the repetitive nature, right? Taking the easier path. And I think that, you know, it's, like Robbie said, it's, it's crazy to think that these like, you know, high fashion brands being able to collab with Jordan brand and obviously like Kim Jones being behind the the Dior brand to make that happen. He's obviously done a lot of collaborations over the years with a lot of people that are, you know, crossover in the sneaker world and kind of has a, has a big interest in it himself, I think to a certain extent. But I think that repeating the, the partnerships, you know, we're just, we're kind of just in a different stage of the collaboration game, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, maybe not with Jordan brand as much, but like, if you look back like 10, 15 years, you know, I think like, I don't know, like the, the 2005, 2006, 2007, when boutiques got to start collaborating with the brands and create their own colorways and, and take it a little bit further and have their logos on the shoes and stuff like that those types of things repeated, you know, like a good shop always gets a new collab almost annually. Right. If not more, you know, you think of the undefeated the concepts, Kith, you know, all of those types of shops or like going over into Europe where you have like Soulbox and, you know, prior to that crooked tongues and all of these shops that, you know, were really about like being in touch with a consumer. And now the same formula has just that formula of like constant collaboration I don't want to say it's it's dead because it still works. It's still better than just having only a Jordan logo on a shoe, right? Yeah. You know, you'd rather see, uh, you know, a Colette Jordan logo, you know, collab or whatever that is. But now we're kind of like upping the ante and and like tying these brands together on on levels that 
you know, just prove that sneakers is so much bigger than the, you know, kind of base that it has been for so many years. But I also wanted to ask you guys, because that shoe, when I originally saw it, I was definitely not a fan. Like I was disappointed in it. I, I won't say that I wasn't a fan. I was disappointed in it because it seemed lazy. And the more I saw it throughout the, you know, the build up to the release, the more I was like, I don't know that I would have, like, I wouldn't have wanted it to be any crazier, right? Like, I, I think, like, keeping it simple keeps it feeling luxurious. And I have a different different appreciation for the shoe. I still wouldn't have, uh, you know, like, especially not having work and stuff, like, I would have definitely just flipped it just because. Mm-hmm. But, like, I I think, like, it grew on me in a way that I didn't expect it to in the time that we first saw it to, you know, its release. I'm right with you because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it could have been better or in a sense it could have been crazier. But then when I had to take a step back and think of what are these luxury brands known for, it's not about the crazy prints all the time. I mean, you got your Versace's with crazy prints. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes other brands will jump into it, but typically it's nice, clean, more quality over the, the actual look. So it made perfect sense in my mind. And that's how you got the people – Again, those uh, loyal customers at Dior to buy them in that initial calls who weren't sneakerheads. You got this person who, you know, maybe a, a dad out there who's like, "Oh, these are cool. I don't like the, uh, like the, I don't like the shoes my son or daughter would try to get me to buy, but I like the color of these and I recognize them as a Jordan, so I can be cool, Dad." You know. Yeah, most definitely. Maybe. So the other. Oh, oh, go ahead, Robbie. I was going to say, maybe we'll have to go back and check the tape, but I think I have thought they were cool from the jump. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm the biggest Jordan 1 fan of the three of us. I love the Jordan 1. I think our text thread will uh, definitely second that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. These are clean. We're clean. Are. Are they an R if they never were? Ooh. Oh, let's see. <laughs> Inception. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we get into to the, the main story, um, all these brands that basically got, I guess, like loans from the government, right? Uh, and apparently Yeezy... Kanye's Yeezy brand got $2 million um, for, I forget I forget what it is, and I don't have is it in the front PPP of me right loan? now. I didn't quite read the whole story, but I assumed it was the Paycheck Protection. Yep, yep Paycheck. Yep, that's what it is, yeah. Paycheck Protection Loans. Just wild to me that, you know, company, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in a unique spot because I – had trouble getting any assistance from whether it be loans for the business or unemployment. So I'm more frustrated around it, mm-hmm. but it's just really interesting to me that the, a brand like easy who is clearly not like going to take much of a hit comparatively to most companies in the United States right now, because you still see them selling out every time they release a shoe, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I wonder I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but I just I saw that and I was like, just 
again, super disappointed in everything that's going on right now. So here's some insight into the payment protection program loans. And this will also help to understand why you weren't really able to get too much. They're all centered and they're all centered around employment. So keeping your employees employed. So if you don't have employees, super duper hard to get approved. On top of that, it's it's so centered around employment that you can't get your loan forgiven if I think 70% of the funds you got didn't go to keeping your employees or paying back wages, basically something with pay. So 30% could go to keeping the lights on and you know the physical aspects of your building, but a fund, like a, a major aspect has to go to your employees. So when I see like Adidas going and taking advantage of that $2 million, they are trying to keep people like them from laying off people. I'm not justifying them taking that, but that's just like banker talk and a little bit of perspective of, you know, why some companies have those loans or why a company could have had it. So it's probably based around employment. Um, does a major brand underneath Adidas um, probably have enough money to keep their employees without dipping into, you know, um, government funds. I would say, hell yeah. Like, why are they doing that? But, um, if you were, if you're listening and you have a small business and you really hate, you know, that program right now, that might've been why, um, uh, you, you could have had some issues, but it's, when you look at it from that lens, it makes it seem almost more messed up. I'm like, all right. So you guys are taking money from the government. So you can keep your profits and your employees. You won't cut into your profits to help your employees. Like that's kind of messed up. Well, you know what happens yeah. is, uh, so Robbie hit you with the banking side. I hit you with the HR side. Uh, so if I'm not mistaken, if you were to use X amount of those dollars, a certain percent, I can't remember the top of my head, but it's something that I pretty much deal with every day. But if a certain percent, if you use it towards your payroll, it turns from a loan into a grant, which means they don't have to pay it back, which in terms means that they can finesse their way into having free payroll for however long that money uh, can be used or however, however long it stretches basically for your employees. So, yeah, it's kind of a twofold. So from Varabi side and then from the, the HR side, it is just there's a lot to it. And it's crazy because it was just it, it almost looked like a sneaker raffle, man. When it came out, because I'm not sure if Robbie, you got the calls too, but uh, you, my wife is in banking as well. I know you guys know that. And when they announced the loans, she was getting calls like she was, you know, she's finding out if the the fragment ones restocked at, at at finish line or something crazy. You know, like that's how much her phone was ringing, and they had to keep on going in and processing these uh, requests. And they they were definitely employee based. And it was almost that each bank had X amount of dollars. So once they ran out, it was like, you know, we, we sold out and they had to keep on to the next thing. And there's certain reports that had to be filed uh, for each thing. You have to provide to your bank providing, you know, about your employees and the amount of employees. So it was a legit uh, money raffle. And you just hoped you were picked. And bigger companies, because of employee size, did get looked at first. That's why you heard things about like the Lakers got money for you. Hear now you that Easy got, uh, Easy Brand got money for. So is it? It technically it, for the people that 
with a small business that helped great, but for the big businesses, again, it was, it was more of a finesse to get that money and turn it into grant money, basically. Yeah, man, that's crazy. I mean, it is what it is though. That's kind of the American system in a nutshell, right? Like if you know how to work the system, you can take advantage of it. If you don't, you know, just hold on tight and hope you, hope you survive. You said it that. That's yeah. I was like, I couldn't say it any better. Nobody finesses the system quite like somebody who made the system. So yeah, yep. You make the rule, you can break your own rules. So I don't know. It's nice to me. All right, so uh, let's see. Where where do we even want to start? There's so many. Uh, I want to talk about the craziest sneaker designs of all time. So. I'm just going to throw throw one out there and we can kind of run through your list but the one that the one that came to mind when you first threw this out Robbie was to me is is still like the the original foam posit right I think that shoe was so outside the box in terms of like everything right there was nothing traditional about it other than maybe they used glue for the outsole you know like other than that I feel like it was, I mean, it was just crazy. Um, I'm going to link to it in the, in the description for, for this episode, but I did a, a story for complex when I was working there years ago about 20 things you didn't know about the Nike foam posit. And it's fascinating stuff. Um, you know, just the fact that, you know, there were so many different things going on with it, it was actually made basically made by Daewoo the company that makes TVs that used to make cars, but yeah, it's, it's crazy stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to toss it to you, Robbie, cause you, you had a pretty solid list to get us going. Yeah. I mean, the foam posit probably is a great place to start anyway, because, you know, when you think of out there design, your brain probably gravitated that, that direction anyway. Um, what, what adjective did, did you use particularly to describe it? I mean, not the phone posit, but our list or our group here. Because in my brain, I thought weird ass, like weird <laughs> height. <and laughs> yeah, yeah, I just call I just call it the craziest, right? Because and I think okay. specifically, like too, we're we're talking more more on the design or the aesthetic of it, right? Correct. So take away names. If we just put these shoes in front of you, you might think that's a little weird. That's a little different. Or maybe that's a little crazy. So um, it's purely designed. Don't think even really colorways. Outside of the Shack Gnosis, I'm not even going to mention the Shack Gnosis outside of right now, but black and white Shack Gnosis is just like, that's a crazy-ass design, and the colorway helps the crazy design. So um, I'm actually going to start the list off with the first shoe that came to mind. It's another Reebok. Um, the Instapump Fury when I think of weird or crazy designs, my brain always goes to that shoe first. And I'm going to let Mike talk about it because he has a whole video about the <laughs> But that's where my brain goes first. Yeah, man. I, you know what? That's one of the shoes I've literally liked forever. And I have just been able to get my hands on them over the, like, the past what year. And I know Nick's a huge fan of them. But they are absolutely probably the, the weirdest looking shoe I own. And it's just what they came out in 94, Nick. That was the initial release of them. 
Yeah. And I mean, even to this day, they look with the with the air bladder surrounding it, the exposed, like the exposed siding, you can pretty much see your sock through it. And it's, it's just insane. I mean, people still look at the shoe and kind of like turn their head at it. I know when I wear mine, you can kind of get subtle looks like, what is this on his feet? And that shows like over 20 years, they've been just weird and, and different. I mean, I don't know. They're meant, they were meant to be a technical runner back in the day. But uh, I, I love them, man. I, I, I think I'll keep adding to the collection. I'm, I'm never going to catch Nick, but I'll try. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, just thinking about one, like if you haven't listened to the previous episode that we published, uh, Mike interviewed Rob Purvey, who's a has a crazy career in the sneaker business. But he talked about, you know, the shack attack and, you know, basically one of the first shoes to, to have like real carbon fiber. And I think the pump fury to me is, you know, like the, the, the result of, of that like technology coming from basketball and, and like obviously moving back to, to running. But like that to me is my favorite piece of it is like that whole like mid plate is just like a shank carbon fiber, carbon fiber shank. Mm -hmm. And when you flip that shoe over and see that you're just, I mean, it looks crazy to begin with, but when you flip it over, you're just like, what the hell is this? It doesn't even, and to think that it was in 94 when, you know, think about like the other stuff that was coming out around that time. It was very, very traditional type stuff for, especially for the sneakerhead community. Right. I would say yes, definitely. And I mean, I've never looked at the under part of the shoe, but just from the upper, there are so many different textures and like Mike said, where there isn't material is very important, but like you can even go to like the furry Grinch pair. That's probably that pair. And then like any pair that has like writing all over it, there's been multiple like written on, I think Venomance did them like the, it's a pump fury, but like you could do anything with that dead space. You could add to it. You could subtract. You could use it as a blank slate and to scribble on it. It's such an out there design that literally anything can be absorbed into it. And it still looks weird, but it's, it's all good weird. Yeah, most definitely. Well said. So this next one I've always thought was like a cousin to the instant pump fury. I actually thought for a long time, um, it was an actual Reebok and it's the Puma disc blaze. There's a similar vibes to the two, right? Or is it just me? No, I think, I think you're right. I think like the cage kind of system, right? Even though, you know, Reebok is using a pump system, the concept of the cage and, and kind of being that, um, wrap around the upper of the foot with the disc blaze and the, the Puma disc system in general, right? Cause it popped up on a handful of different shoes, but like, I really, you know, I think this is a great one. If you haven't worn a displays, it's a crazy comfortable shoe. I, I think like Puma's 90 run, 90s running shoes are super underrated. You can pick them up for like ridiculously cheap use, usually on eBay. And, you know, it's a, it's a really comfortable shoe for, for the money. But I, I think too, like you'll probably, we'll probably get to this, but maybe I'm jumping ahead. But, you know, you mentioned the Presto, right? Or, um, we're going to mention yeah, though. Yeah. Like I think like there's this similar vibe of like the weird thing happens to be that, Hey, we're going to use a different type of material or a different system 
to kind of like make sure that the foot stays in place. And that that's kind of an interesting thought in itself. I think it's also the dot like where the disc is and where the pump is. They're similar, like location wise. So like that kind of drew my eyes to it. But yeah, just, definitely. It's another shoe that's just so adaptable to whatever direction you want to go in. I mean, there's a disc blaze that like there's a blackout version that could probably work for anybody under the sun who wants to try something different. But then there's like a Goonies pair that has like gold and every print there could be. And there's bait collaborations where you can really go outside of the box. And, and I think people, um, I sound really hypocritical as I say this, people need to get over their preconceptions about shoes. I've never owned a displays. <laughs> <laughs> as I say that I've never worn a pair either, but it's just like, I see them and I'm always interested, but you know, hesitant to pull the trigger. Next time I see a pair less than $50, I'm going to, I'm going to make a pact right now to say that I'm going to buy them. I mean, I think, I think that's something to, to consider, right? I, I, I would challenge people that are listening to, instead of like, you know, like we look at all these releases and it's like, okay, cool. It's 110 for dunks. It's, you know, 180 something for space hippies. It's two, you know, 200 for whatever Jordans. Instead of like being upset about taking an L on sneakers, just take like 50, 40 to 50 bucks, go to eBay and, and find yourself a different brand that you would normally not buy. Worst case scenario, you've at least experienced it and you can say that you didn't like it. And who knows, maybe you just give it to somebody that, you know, might like it. And then you just turn out to be a nice person and the world is a better place for everyone. But like, honestly, to me, that's, that's kind of like the approach that I've had for quite a while because inevitably, like I'd rather have, unfortunately for me, I guess I'd rather have more sneakers to be able to like talk about different things and compare different things and, and know that I'm, if I'm saying one thing about a shoe, you can know that I've had that shoe in my hand and worn it on my feet to compare it to another shoe. And I think that, you know, kind of approach is how I, I mean, I know that's kind of how I got way too many sneakers and got into this, you know, kind of buried in shoes life that I live now. But I also think that there's a huge value in that. And at the end of the day, you know, I mean, there are times when you can get things and this is a little off track, but like I picked up, I picked up Puma R698s on eBay for $29 shipped. Dang. I picked up the um, Asics Kayano OGs, the Kayano fives for $19 shipped. Uh, I picked up Asics gel Mize a couple months back for $24 shipped brand new, all these shoes brand new. So when you, when you, to me, it's worth spending that 20, 50, $75 even to be able to experience the shoe mainly because that way when your favorite brand or favorite boutique comes along and does a collab and is like, oh, here's the undefeated version of some random ASICs that you normally don't know about, you've already bought the shoe and you know if you like it or not. You know, like then then it makes upcoming purchases and like more hype purchases a little more secure, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. But um, that's enough of my tangent. We can get back to, to the list. <laughs> No, that's really cool because at the end of the day, 
if you don't like it, you can just give it to somebody else. And the world truly is a better place in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so next shoe here, I'm going to go to the Nike Ultra Flight. I know it's a favorite of Nick's. Uh, we haven't seen it in a long time, and that breaks many people's heart, including ours. But the Ultra Flight, man, that's that was a shoe for the future and a time where um, I would say Nike basketball didn't particularly know which way it was going. Uh, it really kind of just went all in into the futuristic look and still mixed it with leather, which I've always found unique, and kind of just pushed forward. This is before... Well, I think these dropped 2002, 2003. I think 2002 is when they came out. Mm-hmm. Might have been. Yeah, I think so. Right around then. Yeah, but 2001, I, 2002, I think. Yeah, just like a really evolutionary time. Um, I'll let you guys get in on it. But just when I think unique designs, that cage, especially, especially from the medial side, when you see the cage and how it kind of like wraps around it's just such a unique, cool-looking shoe. Yeah, this is one of the ones, you know, as a, let's see, that's, was it 2002, That was, what, 11, 12, whatever. This one, I'm going ahead circling the East Bay book, just kind of putting it in front of my parents, like, hey, guys, how about these? Never got this pair. This is one, if they retroed it, you bet money I will go buy it. A couple pairs of them. I always love the way this one looked. I love that the cage on the back and like the different, uh, like I guess it's a, a TPU cage on the back. I love the way that uh, it just looked on the shoe. It just looks super dope, dope and it looked like a freaking sports car, man. So one of my favorites. Uh, if they ever come back, I'm, I'm buying them. Yeah, I mean this is one of those shoes that is. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of like my like love for cars coming into sneakers in this era where a lot of the Nike basketball, a lot of the shoes by everyone, right? I think a lot of the and ones would fit into this category too, but the shoes looked fast without mm-hmm. any movement. Right. And any, anytime that happens, like I'm typically a fan. Yeah. Definitely. So, so, I mean, okay. If, if we're talking sports cars, um, this next shoe is definitely like the Woody, the big old like eight person. Um, <laughs> the Wagoneer? Yeah, the wagon. I was calling him a Woody. I guess that could be a boner too, so that's awkward. Because <laughs> 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 yeah. of the wood panel on the side. But we just yeah. took a whole different tangent. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking cars and shoes here, but um, I'm talking about the air pressure. Like that's a big, bulky, I almost think Robocop. Also, it's just such a big, crazy looking shoe. Um, it came in like the plastic box instead of a bag. Um, it had the little like hand pump that kind of looks like a little squirt gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, just such a product of the early 90s. I believe David Robinson wore them. Just uh, that shoe is this. I, I believe it was the, the retort to the Reebok pump. Mm-hmm. But man, that shoe is out there. So let's see. In '89, they were 180 bucks. Retro in 2016, 300 dollars. I did not know these things were 300 bucks when they retro. These things would be up to my knees if I put them on. Like what? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's such a crazy shoe, though. Like, I'm a big fan of those. And, and like you said, the, the original Reebok pump, like, just, just, it's, I, I know they're bulky by today's standards, but it was such a crazy, like, wild shoe, right? Like, mm-hmm. the fact that you could pump your shoe up to fit your foot was like, are you kidding me? True. Um, so I'm, I'm calling an audible here. I'm just making sure I'm thinking about the right T-Mac. I believe it was the T-Mac 4. It was the T-Mac 4. So the Adidas T-Mac 4 had this like back heel twist system. The the Puma displays remind me of the shoe. So like it had a strap in the front and you would strap in, but then you would pull this little flap off the back and tighten. And you'd pull this little lever off the flap of the back of the uh, T-Mac 4. And you would like tighten this lever to get your T-Max tighter. And that's a crazy ass idea. I don't know if you two know what I'm talking about. Exactly. I actually have all of them. I'm wearing them now. I mean, th- those are just nuts because, again, it's like, you know, like you said, you're folding down the back of the shoe to access basically like this two corded system to tighten the shoe. And then on top of that, you kind of have like this. Uh, like snap closure on the, on the front that kind of closes the front top over it, but you can't see the cords. You can just feel them as you tighten them. And this, I mean, full disclosure, if you get a pair of, before you go buy in a pair of those shoes, it is by far like one of the heaviest shoes I've ever worn it is like, like true bricks. But the wow factor and weird factor of it is priceless. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It is definitely a priceless, weird factor. Um, I like that phrase so much. We're just going to keep going with the weird factor here. Uh, I'm going to hit you with the Reebok Zig Slash, a.k.a. the John Wall Zig Tech Reebok shoe. What's, your, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think of that shoe? Toothpaste. Toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> Why Toothpaste. Cause it looks all the all those ZigTech shoes from that era look like somebody just squeezed out toothpaste onto the counter See? and then glued a shoe on top of it. <laughs> Always start Play-Doh. They look like Play-Doh to me. <laughs> oh man! I, I always thought Flubber. I'm like, do they think Flubber is a real thing? And they like Flubber is like, what, I, I don't understand like why you would try to ZigTech it. We'll have to get some kind of Reebok expert sometime to help break that down. But that's a that's a crazy, let's put it nicely. That's a crazy design. That's, that's yeah, totally most there. definitely. I'm, glad so, they I'm just happy they have a new way of doing it and they don't look like any kind of paints, dough, or flubber anymore. Right. So yep. I'm hit you with I'm hit you with, with a with a two piece minus the biscuit here. So we're gonna go Air Jordan 15 and Air Jordan 2012. Air Jordan 15, we don't have to go into great detail why that's a crazy design. I would say it's an ugly design, but it's crazy nonetheless. And then the Air Jordan 12, um, pardon me, Air Jordan 2012 coming in three different removable booty sizes. Like, what's up with that? (laughs) That's pretty (laughs) crazy. Anybody? (laughs) (laughs) Bueller. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was cool. I I just I didn't like the like the the 
what do you call it? The the wingtips. I didn't like that whole vibe of the 2012. I was, yeah. It, it just it just didn't seem to fit. It seemed forced to me. Well, didn't they actually even have a wingtip colorway? It was like the Tinker version, where it was like black with yeah. the yeah. Those were gross. I like the initial yeah. uh, was it wolf gray and volt color for basketball, but yeah, they were uh, definitely interesting. I'm not sure why that was a uh, what else the thing, but yeah, people bought them. Nice. Let's just keep jumping around. Nick, I need your help on this because I always forget the name of the shoe. Um, that Nike basketball shoe from the 90s with the removable um, colored straps and you could buy other straps to put on it. Oh, the Adjust Force? Yes, the Adjust Force. That's a crazy design idea. I've never seen that one. Yeah. You yeah, have. I mean, yeah, you've seen it. It's, it's basically, it was like, think of like a... a I don't know, maybe like a, an all black Pippin one. Uh, and then there was like this shroud that they sold tons of different colors for to, you know, be able to change, you know, like basically all the schools got their own color. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was, it was. I'm looking at it now. I remember seeing yeah, it, it, magazines with all the different straps in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I thought it was dope though. I mean, th- this era to me, like the, the early nineties, mid nineties, is just like a goldmine for for these kind of shoes, right? Because everybody's trying crazy stuff. And I like just to throw out another one that just popped into my head. I think of like the Converse Aerojam or like the Converse Backjam, like the ba- like any of that stuff that had Converse React juice, right? Shoes mm-hmm. actually had like juice in them, like like <laughs> liquid in the cushioning systems. Like that's bananas. The fact that they were able to get away with that to me is is just unreal but like at the same time not only were they doing that they were putting like these like shrouds over the laces the back jam was like this like was basically like just a crisscross velcro system instead of uh instead of a traditional lacing system it's like you have just such crazy attempts at like how far can we push this and i think that's this is me being super nostalgic but like that's something that I totally miss because I think like looking at the nineties and seeing how there were, there were a lot of things that came from it, right? Like you could look at the cushioning systems, the, the strap systems, the tie downs, whatever you want to call it, the support systems and all of those different attempts to do something cool and innovative at some point, like helped everybody grow in their design. But then you look at like the stuff that's happening now and I'm, I'm going to pick on the, the, you know, kind of uh, high end brands real quick because Robbie mentioned the Balenciagas. A lot of the brands that are making high end, like a lot of the high end brands like a Balenciaga, a Vetmont, um, any of these like luxury brands that are making sneakers, it seems like they're approach is let me just see if we can make this look like it came straight out of a dumpster covered in trash or multiple colors and glued and taped together. And like that, there's nothing that good that comes from that in the sense that, you know, when it's the traditional sneaker companies that pushes an entire, you know, an entire generation of people to think differently about what their sneakers can be. And that's really an interesting thing to think about when you think of these 90s shoes that we're kind of talking about now. When you hear juice, does anybody else think of Brendan Fraser from Encino Man saying juice? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that movie. 
Nick, Nick Steve thought about the, the current state and past state of shoes. And I'm just thinking, man, so sorry, but no, you're very right. This, that was a crazy time trying different things. And now everything's flying it with zoom air. So <laughs> whatever, we're good. So, I mean, I'm just thinking, man, I could go a whole episode with Jordan's just thinking about the 19s and the 33s. But one we need to touch on briefly before we get to the, the last heavy hitters, um, the Trunner. I think we've we've really just been used to the Trunner and we've quit thinking about it as a weird design because we've seen it for so long. But that's definitely an out there design. Yeah, I got a pair of the retros back in what, 2016, 2017. Um, I love them, but those have definitely had a place in that moment in time, because those is a weird looking shoe. I know the, the one with the straps was based off the 15. Um, yeah, I don't think you, I don't think people really appreciate how out there they went with the design now. So interestingly enough, I, I, I love the Trunner. I, um, I picked up like the first, uh, I forget what the Trunner, like the mid was called. With the retros. Yeah, there was like the, but there was like a, a, you know, like a quick strike, quick strike type release that had like the blue, a little bit of gray and orange on it. And, um, I wore that shoe to sneaker con in Toronto and it was the craziest because I kind of wore it because it was like a low key shoe that I didn't think people would care about. Yeah. And you know, cause you go to sneaker con and, and everybody's wearing like crazy heat. And then that's just not my vibe. Like I'm, I, you'll usually see me in like, like chucks or something super low key, unless, you know, sometimes you just wake up and you feel like wearing something dumb. But I, so I wore those and I had like, probably like, shit, you not like five or six people stop me and ask me what they were. Cause they thought they were Prada's. And I had to like look up the Prada shoes that they kept referencing because I didn't really think about the tie that it had to kind of the same, a similar vibe to like what Prada had released around that same time. But I, I do think it's an underappreciated shoe and it is a little weird, but it's also like, if you think about it, it's not really any more weird than a Presto, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a super comfy runner that they were just trying to do some unique stuff with. And if, you know, I will say that like, the the Trunner to me has a little bit more narrow of a of a fit than most. So if you haven't tried it, I would definitely tr like try you it. know see if you can get it from a place from you can, where you can try it on. Yeah, like go into a shop and and try it on because that's the one thing. Like if you get it like you know and and don't like it, then your whole the whole vibe of the shoe is kind of tossed out the window, right? Like mm -hmm. just because you're like ah it doesn't fit, it's weird, but. I wanted to, I wanted to like also go back to kind of, um, I forget the, the shoe, but you mentioned, um, oh, you mentioned the Under Armors, right? Um, and I think the interesting thing about like thinking about, I wanted to bring up a similar, similar vibe, I guess, in a different world, but like, um, what was the name of that Under Armour shoe, Robbie? The Micro GBB Charge. 
So it's basically like a snow snowboard boot for basketball shoes, right? Yeah, and, the bare minimum, yes. <laughs> yeah, so like, super exaggerated, way too high, you know, like, but at the same time, I have, you know, Supra Terry Kennedys that were like the TK Society was, you know, they were like the sky top yeah. was like was nothing compared to the TK Society in terms of height, which that shoe to me is also like one of those crazy weird you know, just like you see it and you're like, okay, well that's stuck in a time, right? It's like, if, if little Wayne isn't wearing it on stage right now, then it doesn't make sense almost. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I forgot about that shoe. I mean, there's a love supers back in the day. Um, if I forgot about the TK society, that thing, I don't know how you skated in a shoe. Like, I don't know how you had any ankle mobility to do anything. Um, but yeah, that's definitely has its place in history. Like, well, that was 2008 through 2010. Sound about right? The charge? That would be the, something like that. No, no, no. The, uh, the TKs, the Supers. Oh, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, the charge is more like uh, 2014, 15. Yeah. But didn't Cam Newton's uh, cleat take – I mean, I guess they had a bunch of probably parts left because no one bought those suckers, but – I feel like Cam Newton's Cleveland Under Armour looked very similar to that BB charge. Yeah, it, I mean, it was pretty high, yeah. We could do a whole – and Cam's cleat, I don't know how I know this, but I do. It, it could fold down, so it wasn't nearly as rigid as the charge BB. But, yeah, this Under Armour was on some bullshit. Uh, that was <laughs> some crazy <laughs> – There's armor plates for your ankles, so someone tried to, like, kick you a little dirty play, protect it on both sides. It's under armor, not over armor. Damn. <laughs> so I, I, th I think the last two shoes we want to touch on here, we're kind of running out of time. Honorable mentioned the Presto. We brought it up like four times. Duh. But um, the last two, we got to talk about the Reebok Preacher from 96. Shaq's shoe. Um, he wore it in the Olympics, 96. Uh, that shoe is this. It, it, it's a... I almost want to say it's a vibe, but it's not. It's <laughs> yeah, I almost want to say it, but, but no. Dude, there was – does the rubber go up the back of that shoe? I'm trying to find the picture I sent you guys again. I lost it on my phone. But there's so much yeah, hexa right sure here. <laughs> you, you have to be Shaq size to wear it. I mean, does it make sense for anyone under seven feet to put that shoe on? I mean, if somebody wants to send me a pair, I'll, I'll test that theory. But what's funny <laughs> about it is, like, there's no way someone with a size 10 looks like they wear a size 10 in that shoe. Like, you instantly go from size 8 to 15, <laughs> 15 to 15. It all goes to size 15 when you put that shoe on. But what you wearing with yeah, it? You got to wear old school, you know, like early 2000s Iverson style basketball shorts. You're, you're not wearing anything above the knee. You're not wearing jeans. You, you got to find that the bag is – Jinkos or basketball shorts you can get your hands on. I'm wearing these buck naked. <laughs> well, you can probably live in it. So oh, it might clothe you. It, it just might. Uh, <laughs> nah, this chonies and Reebok preachers. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so the last shoe, it's obviously it's the last shoe because it's the best shoe. Um, I would say there never has been 
nor ever will be a shoe quite like this. And it's the Dada Spinas, the Latrell Spreewells. If anybody watched MTV Cribs back in the day, you know Spreewell, I think it was Spreewell um, Autosports. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his whole like um, cars, it was Cribs. Yeah, Spreewell Racing, yep. Spreewell Racing. And he was the originator, quote unquote, of the spinning rims. If you watched anything in 2000 to 2005, you've seen a pair of spinning rims. You've also seen the spinning rims that stop spinning at different speeds on like a Ford Taurus. I know you know what I'm talking about. Spinning um, hubcaps, man. Straight, straight hubcat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss those days. I mean, I've seen ones where like three of them are spinning and one isn't. <laughs> Just keep that gyro to go. Come on, that ball bearing. But um, but the Dada spinners, their um, their catch was the fact that every time your your heel um, struck the ground, the heel would I mean the the rim in the heel would spin. And as somebody who had friends that had this shoe, you know for a fact that it didn't always work. So you just had this like big, <laughs> it, it looks like a, a watch, but it's a rim on the back of your shoe, and it, it's. I don't know if it's cool or if it's crazy. I don't know what it is, but you two tell me what it is. What What is the Dada spinner to you? In 2001, I'm like, yo, how can I get my hands on these? Because I was, I was able to get the, like the Dada lifestyle shoes. Like my parents would give me those. My, I, my dad adamantly is like, you're not buying a shoe with the rim on the back. So it was almost one of those ones I wanted. But now I'm like, thank God my dad did not let me buy those. You don't want me. You don't want me stunting pops. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I still think uh, I still think they're kind of dope. I, I don't know that I would wear them, but I would also never have spinners on my car. So maybe this is just me uh, living vicariously through my shoes. I think it would be the biggest stunt of all time if you showed up to like a sneaker con and you see Union Ones and all these, like, you know hyped up shoes and you're like, but fam, do your shoes spin? And then, spin. And then they right? slam your heel into the ground as you say that and it's hope that it works. As that the soul separates immediately. It crumbles. But that's, that's a real, you should not be, a, there should be a one person, there should be a, a mandate where one person at SneakerCon must wear the spinners just to keep the culture out. Like, that's right? doing the I don't want to hear one person say doing it for the culture that doesn't wear those <laughs> shoes. <in public. laughs> oh, dude, you know how many kids you're confused at that point because they're like, I don't understand. No, no, you'll, you'll understand. Watch, watch when I walk. Spins. Because there's a, a little air pump in the back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. One Before we get out of here, I, I want to throw out at least one honorable mention. Also, if you, if you have shoes that we need to talk about on this list, definitely hit us up. Let us know. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Um, but I think we mentioned it before we started recording, but the Osiris D3. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, it's just such a weird, you know, like uh, to me, it's like classic skate shoe at this point. But compared to every other skate shoe of the time, to see all that like crazy rubber and plastic on a skate shoe was definitely a game changer. I don't think that like it, it it doesn't quite 
you know, stand up to the crazy, you know, disc or pump or whatever kind of technologies, but from just a pure aesthetic and materials, that shoe was wild when it came out. Oh yeah, dude. That was one of those skate shoes I wanted, but it was one that was a bit too pricey for the time, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know. I would like to tell myself if I saw a pair just like floating around like a thrift shop or something, I'd buy it just to add to the collection. But I would see myself wearing it like just because. My parents would not let me own that shoe, much like Mike's parents and the spinners. I wanted the D3 Osiris so bad. I ended up getting a pair of America, America Reynolds ones, which I think are also kind of a crazy design, but man, true. Nick, true. When I saw you wear that shoe, I was like, I wanted them bad. Like I, I still like that shoe. I would, I would buy a pair of Osiris. I think they were 200 bucks. Dude, or close they're, to they're 115 bucks uh, right now. Yeah, they, they were, I don't, I don't know if they were 200 when they came out, but they were definitely up there for a skate shoe. Cause you're used to paying like 60, 70, 80 bucks for skate shoes back then. Right. Like even dunks then were, you know, 65, I think, but even like, you know, for a few years after they were 65, but yeah, that's a, that's another, uh, ironically, I'm not trying to plug sneaker con this much, but that's, <laughs> that's a shoe I wore to sneaker con here in LA last year. So, um, it, it's it's pretty crazy. The other the other um, kind of uh, random weird one is the old Nike SB Zoom Tray AD, which was like kind of um, it was like this rubber material, like kind of this flexible rubber material that was supposed to be like almost indestructible on the on the toe. Um, I forget what year that that came out, but probably I don't know. It, it was definitely one of those shoes that I think was um, underappreciated at the time, and probably I mean now that SB is all expensive, probably one of those you know crazy shoes. But if you actually like, uh, what's his name? It, on on Twitter and Instagram, he's Infidel Castro. Mm-hmm. He actually wore a pair of those or, or posted his his Zoom trays. And you can kind of see what I'm talking about on the shoe because it, this is before, you know, I think Nike was really doing like crazy materials on SBs, right? You were still seeing a lot of just traditional leathers on the dunks. And, you know, they would do some crazy stuff on collabs and, st- and that. But like this was one of those shoes, you know, that for sure was – uh, an oddball. And I also wanted to say the other shoe that I think I forget what the, what's, what's the zoom next that's out right now. The, the new one that just came out. The next percent. Yeah. Is that the, that's the one with the double stack zoom. Oh no, that's the freaking, uh, is literally called zoom double stack. They couldn't even think of a name. It was so nonsense. <clears throat> so the, the zoom double stack to me is, almost like the reason for even having this conversation right now, right? Because you're looking at like a shoe that has double stacked exposed zoom cushioning. Like that is again, one of those, like what the hell kind of moments in sneaker design, in my opinion. Let's see. I have one more honorable mention and I know everyone remembers this, but the Adidas spring blade, just, we don't even get into detail. Just all remember how trash that sneaker was. 
Yeah, True. it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think if you're when you bring up Adidas too, it makes me think of the um, obviously the micro pacer in the '80s having the the stopwatch computer on it, but the A1, which was like the first kind of computer shoe, and then you think of like a little bit further back from that, the the A1 was the basketball shoe, um, and then the Puma RS which was like the Puma RS computer essentially mm-hmm. had like, you know, you could plug the computer in and, and track your running. Like, I mean, God, just talking about all these shoes just makes me realize like, I just love sneakers. I love the innovation, the crazy thinking that the, the people that design these shoes and, and put this stuff out there, like take what we, you know, in theory have had traditionally for, you know, decades or hundreds of years in terms of footwear and just saying like, let's just throw this on it and see if we can make it work. That's like amazing to me. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we can say it took chances, man. And I guess people still do it now, but there's still, I think kind of reserved with the chances they take. I mean, we get stuff like that double stack, which I mean, in, I, I guess they're trying to sell like gimmick, but think give me something a little different then maybe we'll talk i would say double stacked is different but that's that's a conversation for another day yeah i think we could probably have a whole episode about those yeah most definitely well let's let's toss it to everybody that's listening what do you think like the craziest design whether aesthetic or technology what did we miss What's your favorite amongst what we talked about or, or of what we missed? And like, I guess how many, how many of you actually own this crazy technology? Cause we didn't even talk about like the adapts, any of the adapt stuff. Right. And that to me is, as a whole another conversation about where this stuff can take us. Cause you know, kind of like thinking about the way the adapt itself works is very similar to like, the Puma disc system, but with electronics incorporated. Right. So pretty wild stuff. Um, and I just love to know what everybody, what everybody thinks about it. And like, is it, is it technology, is the technology worth it up front, or is it kind of like, you know, buying an early Tesla where you're overpaying and you got to wait for the technology to catch up, to make it affordable for your, kind of collection or whatever you want to call that but anything else i think that's that's about it for me yeah i think uh i'm good myself let us know what kind of weird shoes you guys got i mean you guys can find me a coupon code for these uh osiris d3s i'll buy them just putting it out there throw it in our uh throw it in our, our dm <laughs> and i'll bong them <laughs> yeah i'm probably not going to but they're still cool <laughs> I just want it as a talking point now. I told you, just like Nick, I'll start adding random crap to collection if I can get it for cheap. I apologize in advance if I've affected anyone in that way. Um, I hope that you don't hold it against me. <laughs> also, thanks for listening and rocking with us because we definitely appreciate you guys. It's been it's been so dope to have the feedback from you guys. Honestly, like we've gotten so many tweets and comments on Instagram in the last like couple of weeks and. Um, for me personally, it's, it's really, it really means a lot to, to have you guys say that you're enjoying it and 
giving us feedback and giving us ideas and, and hearing what you guys want to hear from us. So thanks for everybody for rocking with us. And um, you guys know how to find us. Follow us at Sneaker History on all the platforms. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. See ya. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as five bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.